We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. We're talking about back-to-back wins against the Los Angeles teams for the Chicago Bulls. First, taking out the Clippers on Sunday night, 190, a game the Bulls closed with another red-hot run. I think they outscored the Clippers 23-12 to over the final stretch of that game. Uh, Really just an impressive performance from the Bulls all around without Nikola Vucevic, without Patrick Williams, uh, rebounding from a tough loss to Golden State that happened on Friday before when Steph Curry popped off for 40. Bulls, quite frankly, got embarrassed in that game. 119-93, just totally run out of the gym. But on Sunday, they respond with a great bounce-back victory against the Clippers. And then on Monday, the second half of a back-to-back, they got the Lakers and they win 121 to 103, a game that kept us up until about 1230 local time. A really late game for the Bulls, but they were awesome. And once again, it was DeMar DeRozan stealing the show. Uh, DeRozan averaged about 36 points across the two wins in Los Angeles. Uh, Just a barrage of mid-range jumpers, consistently getting to the foul line, even knocking down some threes, which hasn't been part of his game up until this season. But at this point, it looks like it might be found money for the Bulls. And as we head into the rest of the week, Jace, Bulls are 10 and 4, tied atop the Eastern Conference with the Brooklyn Nets and the Washington Wizards, who are actually 10 and 3. Uh, so they're in sole possession of first place right now. But uh, Bulls vibes, immaculate at the moment. Two really impressive victories against the Clippers, ending a seven game win streak for the Clippers. Then knocking off a Lakers team without LeBron, uh, Bulls getting it done in a variety of different ways. Before we sort of dive into the specifics of it, how are you feeling about the team after these two victories? Say vibe check. Great. Awesome. After that Warriors game, which I I did not see the Warriors game. I got to watch the Chicago Blackhawks actually win a game. Uh, And the Bulls actually started that Warriors game well before getting run out of the gym in the second half. But after that game, uh, I said not to panic uh, because... I mean, the Warriors, before they lost to whoever they, the Hornets the other night, that was, they'd only lost once. Road game, start a road trip without Vucevic. The Warriors have been playing great at both ends. Steph Curry does Steph Curry things. It happens, whatever, bounce back. And the Bulls bounce back in just the best way possible. Uh, and they really controlled most of both games because they went up big in the first game against the Clippers. The Clippers did fight back. Clippers ended up taking a brief lead there in the fourth quarter. And then, as you mentioned, the Bulls just uh finished strong down the stretch their defense was great played really tough against Paul George uh and, and all that stuff and they finished strong DeMar DeRozan again huge in both games as you said the homecoming for him uh in Los Angeles and he he studied the ship 
and down the stretch of that Clippers game once the Clippers took over. And then the Lakers game was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, you talk about vibes. I mean, that game was just full of great vibes between DeRozan scoring 38 in another homecoming game. And I know Zach said he wanted to get him 40 and DDR said he was too tired. He's an old man. Can't be doing that. Uh, you got Lonzo Ball playing his best game of the season with, I think, 27, 8, and 7, uh, seven three-pointers, more great defense. Just, I mean, absolutely making everything. He, when the Bulls, I wouldn't say getting threatened in the fourth quarter. The Lakers made like a little push to make it 25-point lead down to 15. Lonzo hits like a ridiculous corner three, hits a drives and finishes a layup, hits another three. He even hit a mid-range shot in this game. When Lonzo's making mid-range shots and layups, uh, you know he's really got it going for him. Crusoe got a huge ovation, tri- video tribute, and zero points, and it was a plus 28. One of the best zero-point games you'll ever see. And then Zach, hits, Zach's been shooting three-pointers these last two games. Love Zach getting back in the three-point groove here. While some of his shots can sometimes be a little, uh, uh, a little ambitious, to put it kindly, love him taking double-digit three-pointers and hitting them at a high level. I mean, that just changes a lot of the calculation here when we were complaining about the lack of three-point shooting was – Zach wasn't taking money and he wasn't hitting at a high rate. If he's hitting six or seven threes and taking 13 or 14, uh, that's, that's great. So just like just those three guys were awesome. And then just the team defensive effort against the Lakers. Again, no LeBron James, obviously a difference. The Lakers have been kind of a mess this season, but their game plan against Anthony Davis was just immaculate, just sending hard doubles and triples uh, at him all the time, making him make quick decisions, making him pass out of these teams, making the other Lakers guys hit shots. They did not. I think they were like six of 32 from three. AD ends up getting tossed. Uh, he got an early technical and he got a technical later, I believe, for when he was trying to tie his shoe and he was complaining. So clearly they just had him flustered. And while AD ended up with 20 points, like he was never really an impact on that game on either end of the court. He had some mid-range shots in the third quarter, got to the line a few times, uh, but he really just had no impact against a Bulls team without Vucevic. They had Tony Bradley as their one big guy. They got Derrick Jones Jr. out there playing small ball five, and he was killing it. And with just these hounding guards with Lonzo, with Caruso, uh, with Javante Green, I mean, Zach and De- and DeMar playing hard defensively, just playing great on both ends of the court. The Lake- Just to beat the Lakers' ass is obviously always very satisfying. Uh, and again, even without LeBron and LeBron James, they- NBA goes to spend LeBron James for sprinting out onto the court when AD got tossed. How do they let him do that shit? I don't know because it's LeBron James, but uh, just obviously just awesome. Awesome to see them bounce back in both of these games after that Warriors loss. And the Clippers won especially because once they once they got down there in that fourth quarter, uh, I thought they were going to lose that game for sure. Uh, but DeRozan, again, steady hand down the stretch and then just to bl- beat the Lakers' ass basically from the opening tip. Uh, can't complain too much about that. Yeah, so – so much went right for the Bulls over these two games. I figure let's probably start with Vucevic. Vuce got COVID after the Mavericks game. That was sort of a bounce back game for me at 18 points. Uh, we didn't know exactly what the Bulls rotations were going to look like. We could assume that Tony Bradley was going to be starting. And he did. Bradley was in the starting lineup at center against the Warriors. Uh, and, you know, between the Warriors game and the two LA games, I think what we're seeing right now at Tony Bradley is that he does not bring the same skill set that Nikola Vucevic does. Yes, Tony Bradley is very large, seven foot five wingspan, uh, one of the longer, bigger centers in the NBA. But while Vooch was really struggling to hit shots, and Vooch on the year is still shooting below 40% from the field and about 26% from three. So Vooch's shooting struggles have been well documented this season. Uh, I had been, you know, pretty vocal in my, my worry and my criticism about his slow start. But I think that you're seeing a lot of the value of Vooch during his absence, and most notably, that comes during short roll playmaking. Uh, We saw both of the L.A. teams try to trap DeRozan or Levine as the ball handler coming off the pick and roll. The easy read to make there is to kick it to the screener and let them run a four on three break. This is the play that sort of Draymond Green made his reputation off of, right? Like he was so good at picking apart defenses in those situations. Well, Tony Bradley looked totally out of his depth trying to solve those situations. Uh, Even Alizé Johnson in the Warriors game, he got a little bit of run, and he looks pretty uncomfortable with the ball too. So what Bradley can really give you is like setting a screen, rolling hard to the basket, 
maybe you give him the ball when he's on the move and he doesn't really have to think he can just, you know, go up, try to score. But when he did have to try to beat the defense with a pass in those four and three situations, he was really brutal. And Alizé looked kind of bad too against the Warriors. So what do the Bulls do? They move Alex Caruso into the starting lineup against the Clippers. Caruso checking Paul George, an MVP frontrunner from the beginning of the season, from the very start of the game. And they go Derek Jones Jr. at the five. Derek Jones Jr., up to this point in his career, Jason, has been a shooting guard. He's six foot six, about 210 pounds, mostly known for having dunk contest level athleticism. But a brilliant move by Billy Donovan to put Derek Jones Jr. at center, play him in the role being popularized by Bruce Brown on the Nets and now Gary Payton the second on the Warriors. And I really felt like the Bulls had some found money with those small ball lineups. I'm fascinated to see if they go back to Jones at the five. I can almost guarantee you they will. Maybe they'll go with Bradley during the regular season as sort of an innings eater. But I think when the high leverage games really start to matter, what you're going to see is what the Bulls did against the Clippers and the Lakers, which is Derek Jones Jr. at the five. And he has such an ability to, first of all, attack the defense vertically. You saw multiple times, like he's just able to leap. So his athleticism is so functional, right? Like he's able to leap so high for putbacks, for finishes. Uh, he's much more comfortable with the ball in his hands than Bradley or Johnson in terms of like, hitting an open teammate, picking apart the defense in those situations. And for the Lakers game in particular, you mentioned Anthony Davis. So coming into that game, I texted a few friends. I'm like, who's guarding Anthony Davis tonight? You know, you figure Lonzo is going to get some reps on him because Lonzo had, uh, you know, previously guarded bigs pretty well. You figure Tony Bradley will start on him, that Derek Jones will get a chance on him. And what we saw is the Bulls' small ball lineups absolutely decimated the Lakers in those games. Anthony Davis was hounded consistently by multiple long arm six foot six wings who didn't give him anything easy. And then Dwight Howard couldn't punish those lineups either as the Lakers' backup center. You've got to figure the Lakers are about the biggest, one of the bigger teams in the league. If the Bulls' small ball lineups are working against the Lakers, that's a pretty good sign for the future. So, Yes, I think we saw the value of Vooch in his absence, being unable to, uh, you know, ha- having the backup bigs being unable to replicate the skill set he shows in terms of keeping the half court offense moving side to side. But I do think his absence has had at least a small silver lining, and that is the discovery of Derek Jones is a small ball five. Really liked what the Bulls got out of those small ball minutes, but uh, yeah, Vooch, come back soon, bro. Uh, we. The Bulls need you. I think, you know, his value has really been on display while he's been gone, but uh, I'm loving the small ball five minutes with Derek Jones. That's for sure. Yeah. To the point about Bradley and Jones, we saw it right at the beginning of the Lakers game. Yes. uh, Last night, Bradley, I thought did an admirable job just being a large man guarding Anthony Davis, but offensively, I think he had three turnovers in the first half. Just like you said, so uncomfortable when they were dumping the ball off to him in those short rolls. Once they put in Derrick Jones Jr., he scored twice as the role man, like almost immediately. And he had several more baskets. I think he had 13 points on six of seven shooting. And a lot of that was just out of those role plays, just way more comfortable putting using his athleticism. Uh, I've seen like Blazers people uh, complaining about how the Blazers used Derrick Jones Jr. last year as just like a floor spin, almost kind of like maybe like the Thad Young thing on how like Boylan used Thad Young as a floor spacer. And then last year, Billy used him in the center of the floor and he became obviously Derek Jones Jr. is not the passer that young is, but just completely changed the usage of him and got him to be just way more effective of a, of a player. And we kind of saw that with Jones Jr. Like we don't want DJJ chucking threes. Like we don't, he's not a floor spacer. He's not a good three point shooter, but when he's using his athleticism as the role, man, uh, we kind of saw what he can do there and just being around the basket, diving, cutting, getting lobs, getting offensive rebounds, uh, that's just using his skill set to his advantage. And then defensively, he's been great as well. Uh, just playing bigger than he is. Obviously he's got a long wingspan. He's super athletic. Uh, and then just the team defense has been awesome. Just the way that they were swarming. I, the, I did the recap last night at bloggable, uh, and the, the picture that I used for, for it is like, perfect. You had like Tony Bradley behind AD. You had Blonzo on one side, DeRozan on the other, and like Caruso was like a few feet away, like basically like a quadruple team. And they were doing it from the start, and the Lakers just had no answer for it. And Frank Vogel even admitted after the game, just like they went, they weren't really prepared for that kind of just aggressive trapping. I think that I saw a stat that said the Bulls 
double teamed Anthony Davis more than any other team has this season. Uh, they just came into the game with the right game plan without LeBron James there. Like make, don't let AD beat us. Make these other guys hit shots. AD didn't beat them. Those other guys didn't hit shots. And that's how the bulls win a game by, almost. By, they almost went up by 30 points at one point. They basically dominated throughout. So awesome stuff there. And it's just great. It is great to see just the versatility of these different lineups. They can play bigger. They can play with these super small lineups and, Super small lineups. I mean, a lot of teams do like to play. I mean, the clip the in that Clippers game, the Bulls closed with Javante Green basically as the five. I think DeMar technically was the tallest guy on the court, but I think Javante was like kind of if you wanted to say he was playing center, he was. Uh, so there's a lot of these teams will sometimes play super small lineups. Now the Bulls are one of these teams that can do it and do it effectively because of the athleticism and the defensive intensity that they've played with. And then obviously offensively, they have multiple guys who can just go get buckets for you. And, and then Lonzo shooting great from three. So it's been just really nice to see that. Uh, I figure we should talk about DeMar. Yeah. DeRozan is just incredible. Like at what point do we stop being surprised that he's consistently performing at this level? I think that, you know, to this point, certainly playing at an all NBA level, I would say he's probably in the top five of MVP voting right now. If you're just going to say who have been the most valuable players to their team to this point in the season. And I think what we're seeing right now, Jason, and I'm not sure if this is going to last the whole year, but I'm not afraid to say it right now. I think it's DeRozan's team. I think DeRozan has sort of emerged as the one a option. Levine, obviously playing with the banged up hand has sort of been working off DeRozan a lot. We've seen uh, Billy start to cook in a little bit more of off ball motion for Zach. I thought against the Lakers in particular, that was nice to see. Meanwhile, DeRozan is just all the way into his mid-range bag. bag. Clippers in particular, I want to say he hit seven shots, six or seven shots between the three-point line and the free throw line. That was a barrage of 18-foot jumpers. The shots defenses want to give up, and DeRozan, you know, spinning and Euro-stepping footwork and is ridiculous. shuffling his feet, just Epic footwork. We saw him a few times yesterday get Carmelo on him. <laughs> yeah. And Melo just had no chance. And Melo, you know, he's probably slightly bigger than DeRozan. They're uh, about the same age. Carmelo's a little older. But DeRozan just had him at his mercy when he could get Carmelo isolated in the middle of the floor. And he wasn't even trying to get to the basket. He was just killing him with mid-range jumpers. I thought DeRozan was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, against the Clippers his free throw generation really saved the team. I've talked about like what the bulls can count on that travels every single night. I think the perimeter defense is the first thing. The perimeter defense with Lonzo with Caruso is going to be there every night. And then DeRozan's free throw generation is really there every night too. He's near the top of the league. I think in uh, free throw attempts, uh, he's a phenomenal foul shooter. He makes Basically, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's right around 90%, I think, on the season in terms of uh, his free throw shooting percentage. So DeRozan has just been absolutely incredible. And I guess we could tie Levine into this, too. Uh, Levine got cooking early in that Lakers game. He hit a couple threes. I thought that that was good. Like, let Levine get going from three early, then sort of start to shift the offense more into DeMar's hands. Uh, it seems like those two guys have a really symbiotic approach right now, and they're both sort of playing off each other and making each other better. Uh, one thing I wanted to highlight is in the Lakers game at the end of the first half, the Bulls ran back-to-back ghost screens, one Levine screening for DeRozan and the other DeRozan screening for Levine. They got buckets off both of those looks. Uh, so Billy Donovan doing some really interesting things in terms of like how he's setting up DeRozan and Levine for success. DeRozan in particular, just absolutely incredible. Seems like Zach is starting to find his three point stroke. And, uh, yeah, at this point, dude, I feel like stop being surprised that DeRozan can do this. Like he's been one of the best wings in the league for a long time. He's 32 years old. That's typically the tail end of a player's prime. And to this point, to this point, DeRozan is essentially having a career year. He's been absolutely phenomenal. When the Bulls go to bench units, they've gone the bench with DeRozan. Those units are crushing people because DeRozan, uh, even without a lot of other shooters around him, they have defenders around him. Uh, they're able to get in transition. They're able to muck up the passing lanes. And DeRozan is just 
He's just capable of scoring out of basically any look on the floor. He always knows how to get to his spots. It's not like you need pristine spacing around him. You would think that given that he's a non-shooter, but he's so good at manufacturing his offense. DeRozan has just been an absolute revelation. Uh, I was told DeMar DeRozan was the worst signing of the offseason, Jason, and it certainly doesn't look like it this I, I was going to I was going to bring that up. I think we, we are starting to get some mea culpas from a lot of people who question that. Uh, I know John Hollinger, I think he was at Bulls Clippers, and he wrote a column saying, yeah, I was wrong about the Bulls uh, and about the DeRozan signing. Uh, and I think we've seen some other folks. that I saw a lot of people talking on Twitter about DeMar DeRozan today, just like, like where the disconnect was with that. And like, we both admitted like we, like it was while like the move, like we got why they did it. Like they did give up, they paid him a lot, but he's been worth every penny and more. Like you said, I mean, he's been the best player on the team. He's been better than Zach, even though Zach is putting up good numbers. Uh, so we're, it's been interesting to see some of these people be like, Oh, and just like, yeah, like maybe we were wrong about Jamar DeRozan. We, we were wrong about the bulls uh, and just like got, kind of bring up the conversation about like what DeRozan's like, what people have like have looked at him as as a player over the past few years because there's been the just conversation about how analytics hasn't always loved him there was all the on off stuff in toronto and some with the spurs and there's obviously context that goes all into that kind of stuff but i mean so far the fit has been great i think the bulls they have they can cover for some of his weaknesses with this perimeter defense has been great so i i think if you look at his like on off numbers like there were like the bulls <laughs> defense has been like ridiculously elite with him on the court so like whatever defensive flaws he has it has not shown up in the team stats at all and like the bulls are crushing teams with him out on the court and your point about like him and the bench units i I think it has made sense to have him instead of zach with those bench units because as talented as zach is we know that he can get a little a little panicky uh if he's and he starts when he starts going like one on five and with those bench units where they don't have shooters I think you probably worry about Zach just really chucking up a lot of garbage Uh, with DeMar. Like he puts up tough shots, but like he still gets to his spots. He doesn't turn it over. So you just rely on him more to be better with those kind of less offensive units out there. So it kind of makes sense to not to have him instead of Zach kind of running those bench units. And he's been awesome. I mean, his, he put up his stat line yesterday. What do you have? I guess I mentioned 38. He shot 15 of 23. He had six assists. Uh, he, he shot five three-pointers, went two of five. He almost made another one. He had his foot on the line there, I think, right at the end of the first half, maybe. Uh, so he's been, yeah, he's been playing at an MVP level. And, like, for in terms of sustainability, like, I assume it'll come down a little bit. I was looking at his numbers. Like, he shot around 50% the last couple of years. And that's, like, with his three-point shooting being basically, like, in the 20s and, like, teens. And obviously he's taking a few more now. So that might hurt him. A little bit, but I mean, his overall like true shooting and his regular field goal percentage has been basically where it's at right now. I think what is he at right now? Probably a little over fifty percent shooting. I'd have to look this up. Player, he's averaging twenty-seven a game, um, and he is shooting fifty-one percent. He's a career forty-six percent. But I mean, last year he shot forty-nine point five percent. Twenty nineteen twenty, he shot fifty-three percent from the field. Uh, the year before that, 48%. So, like, all three years with the Spurs, he was 48% or higher. He had one year where he shot 53%. Obviously not at quite as much volume as he's at right now. So, like, maybe over the course of the season, this comes down a little bit, especially if he's taking more three-pointers. But when he's playing with Zach, and, like, I mean, he's never played with as talented an offensive player as Zach. Obviously, Kyle Lowry, very good player, but he's not as talented as Zach overall. And when you have Vooch in there as well, uh, just – DeMar can just kind of go do his thing and get to his spots. And so I don't think, I mean, he was going to have his off games. He, he had a rough shooting night against the Warriors. Every, basically everyone did except for Zach, but Zach didn't play well either. And then I think the game, the Mavericks game, he didn't have a great night either, but outside of like a couple nights, I mean, he's just been on fire because he's just the way the bulls are running their offense. He gets to his spots and he is just cashing, cashing checks, cashing buckets fully in his bag. And it's been awesome. You heard Jason Pat say it. He's cashing shit. <laughs> Whenever he can. Yeah, no, both have been phenomenal. You know who else has been great lately? Lonzo Ball. And I want to talk about Lonzo because Lonzo was so good against the Lakers. Ends the game with 27 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, seven to 10 shooting from three. It's the second time this week we've seen Lonzo pop off for seven three-pointers in 10 attempts. He also did the same thing against the Mavericks. 
So I thought the Lakers game was basically the best Lonzo has looked all year. I thought that that was a game where it showcased everything Lonzo does well. And he sort of put it all together in one game. Uh, His defense was awesome. So he was guarding Westbrook for the start of that game. We're going to get into Caruso next, but they had Caruso mostly working off the ball. I would have put Caruso on Westbrook. But the Bulls usually had Lonzo on Westbrook, and Lonzo was just totally ignoring him on the perimeter. He was letting him get all the space he wanted to shoot if Westbrook wanted to shoot, and he was just mucking up everything else as a help defender, Uh, had a couple steals in that game. And then offensively, uh, Lonzo just letting it rip from three. And Lonzo, please keep shooting those threes. We've talked about how the Bulls are last or second to last in three-point rate in the entire NBA, the guys you want taking those threes, Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball. So Lonzo came into this year saying, you know, I want to get back to being more of a traditional point guard. I think what we've seen to this point is that Lonzo really struggles in the duties of being a traditional point guard. He's one of the weirdest players in the <laughs> NBA in terms of his skill set. He's a guard who cannot break you down off the dribble, really, who can't uh, go to the basket and make a driving play for himself. He almost never gets to the foul line. These have been consistent factors throughout Lonzo's career, and we've seen it again this year. Here's the shooting splits for Lonzo Ball so far this year, Jason. From two-point range, Lonzo is shooting 36.7% on two-pointers. That's actually the worst mark of his career by far. He's never shot below 42%, and last year he was at 48%. This is just on two-point field goal. So hopefully, you know, he'll start to regress to the mean positively a little bit, and he'll be able to make these two-point shots but what I want to see him do is just keep firing up the three-pointers because in November on 57 attempts Lonzo shooting 51% from three on the year Lonzo is shooting 44.4% from three-point range on 7.1 attempts per game his three-point rate which is your percentage of shots from the field coming from three-point range he's taking 62% of his attempts from three right now down a little bit from last year when he took 65% of his attempts. So this is what I want out of Lonzo offensively is jack up threes. The Bulls need to just get a certain number of three-point attempts. And Lonzo and Zach are the guys who you want to do it. Uh, Lonzo is so nasty as a shooter, man. He's got the step back. He's quick off the catch and shoot. He can shoot from multiple feet behind the three-point line. As a shooter, he's, he's sort of got it all. Uh, I think what you don't want from Lonzo are those possessions where he's, you know, pounding the ball and taking a long time to set up his moves. You don't really want him driving and trying to beat, uh, you know, a rim protector at the rim with a driving layup. But when Lonzo gets into his step back or when he's spacing the floor for a catch and shoot opportunity, very quick, clean release and the shot goes in 44% on the year from Lonzo Ball from three-point range. Seven to ten twice this week, Jason. What are you seeing out of Lonzo right now? Because I'm I'm loving these Lonzo minutes lately. Yeah, I mean, just so much credit to Lonzo for coming. I mean, Lakers fans know coming to the league, the dude could not shoot worth a shit. Uh, and now to do that to them yesterday, uh, just cashing ridiculous threes. And the last, like I said, that one he hit, after the Lakers from the corner when he was like fading away. I mean, that's a Zach Levine three-pointer there and just absolute cash uh, closing them out. Basically not, not allowing any type of Lakers run there uh, was absolutely awesome. And yeah, I mean, similar to Zach, get those threes up because the bulls don't have that much shooting across the roster. So you're counting on those two guys to be shooting threes. Those guys need to be combining for 23 as a game. If they're combining for 23 point attempts per game. Then you just need to get a handful from the rest of your team. And if you're around 33 is a game, I can take that from the Bulls. It was, they were around like they were taking like 25, 26, I think, per game at one point. I think they've come up a little bit lately because Zach and Lonzo have been taking more. Those guys take more. When Booch comes back, if he takes four or five a game, and if those guys are taking 20, 21, 22, uh, if you once Kobe gets more in a rhythm, we'll talk about Kobe in a bit here. He'll start taking a bit more and then sprinkle a few across DeRozan. Caruso, the rest of the roster, you're getting into the low 30s for three-pointers per game, and that's where they should be, and that's totally fine because they've been hitting, thanks to thanks to Lonzo, a big part of it, and now Zach getting hot again. I think they're at almost 37% conversion, which is like fourth or fifth overall in terms of makes. They just haven't been taking that many, but now they're taking more. They're making them, they've made more because they made a ton against the Mavs. 
Uh, I can't remember what the, obviously the Warriors game was a disaster. I think they made a decent amount against the Clippers. So like with those, those two launching threes, it just makes their offense that much better. Instead of some of those, those, like you mentioned, those like wandering possessions where Lonzo kind of drives into the lane and then either puts up a bad mid range shot or he tries to force a pocket pass or force something like he obviously does have some good passes off pick and roll to lot on like lob plays, but uh, we know his best work is in transition with his throw ahead passes. And we also saw Zach Levine throw him a throw ahead pass, which was absolutely awesome. And he finished the layup returning the favor there. So that was really cool. So yeah, Lonzo, like I said, he does have room for improvement in terms of finishing inside the arc. I think he's blown a few layups that he can probably finish. Uh, just get those mid range outs turn those into three-point shots, and with the way he's been playing defensively, I mean, uh, he's always had the rep of a good defender, And like, but watching the Pelicans and like him last year was kind of like, ugh, like, is he really that good? We see, we're, I think what from what I see, I, I saw our guy Mason Ginsburg tweeting about uh, Lonzo recently, just like I think the thing this year is he's like totally locked in defensively, and that's the big difference here. It seems like the Pelicans were just kind of a joke, a mess last year, especially they weren't really buying into Van Gundy. So the effort just wasn't always there. We see Lonzo, even at nights when he is not shooting well uh, and his offensive game isn't there, his defense has basically been locked in every night, effort there. And that's been a huge part of the Bulls having basically a top five defense this season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I uh, want to move on to Caruso now. So there's been a lot of Alex Caruso news. Yes, there has. Lately in the news cycle, starting with his podcast appearance on the JJ Reddick pod, uh, then coming back to Los Angeles, obviously Caruso helped the Lakers win a championship inside the bubble in 2020. And there's been some reporting on sort of the contract negotiations between the Lakers and Caruso. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but I believe what's come out all out of all of this is that the Lakers offered Caruso 20 million for three years. I think the it was 2021, 20, something like that. The he essentially wanted 20 million for two years. So to get about 10 million annually, yeah. the Bulls locked him up for about 39 million over four years. So we got to that number. And the Lakers basically chose to let him go because of luxury tax payments. And there was a, a quip in the athletic today that Lakers brass tried to convince Caruso to stay so that they could save, so they could save ownership money in luxury tax payments. Uh, the first athlete to agree to that is going to be the biggest sucker in the entire world, especially for a Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers. Team essentially prints money. So uh, good for Alex Caruso getting the bag and then on court. So starting this West Coast road trip against the Warriors, Caruso not on the floor against the Warriors, or not not in the starting lineup, I should say, not in the starting lineup, and that proved to be a disaster. Steph Curry absolutely torches the Bulls. The Bulls had Lonzo on Curry for the majority of that game. Curry, arguably the best player in the NBA right now. You can make a case that he's the MVP. He's one of the best point guards ever. You know, whatever your player rankings are for historical players, I'm just automatically going to say Steph Curry is too low. I truly believe Curry's one of the greatest players to ever play this game. He's still performing like he's in his prime right now, even though I believe he's 33-34. Yep. So what does Billy do after that Warriors game when Curry totally goes off? He finally moves Crusoe into the starting lineup. 
And he sticks him on Paul George. Paul George, like I said, playing at a terrific level right now. First team All-NBA level for the Clippers. The Clippers enter on a seven-game win streak. Caruso's given up four inches in height to Paul George and basically locks his ass down. Defended Paul George about as well as you can defend him. George still got his numbers. I think he scored 20-plus. A lot of free throws. 25 shots. Yeah, there were a lot of fouling, a lot of free throws. So... Caruso then comes back against the Lakers, plays 34 minutes, does not score, takes only one attempt from the field, one shot. It was a three. He missed it. But I thought he like basically totally dominated that game across the two games against the Clippers and Lakers, five steals, 10 assists, 15 rebounds, and only seven total points. But Caruso continues to show the value he provides away from scoring his Defense is absolutely incredible. Uh, DeMar DeRozan called him one of the highest IQ players he's ever played with. I was surprised to hear DeRozan say that, but you know, if you really slow down some of the clips from the Bulls in the early part of this year, Caruso is directing people all over the floor on where to be. His rotations are so sharp. He's so quick to the ball. His hand-eye placement in terms of hitting the ball, getting deflections, getting steals, getting blocks, just getting his hand on the ball is unbelievable Caruso continues to be a straight killer I love the look of him in the starting lineup I love the fact that he played 39 minutes against the Clippers and 34 minutes against the Lakers I don't think the Bulls beat the Clippers if Caruso is only playing 27 28 minutes like he has been most of the year more Caruso on the floor is a great thing for the Bulls Caruso in the starting lineup is a good thing uh, shout out to Steph who has been uh, recommending that for yeah, the last I was gonna say our so, last, our, how are you feeling about Caruso as a starter, as a Chicago Bull? I love Caruso, baby. He's the man. Yeah, our, our last pod, our guy Stefano said Caruso should start. He said he should start against Steph Curry. Did not start against Steph Curry, and the Bulls paid the price. I just mentioned how Lonzo's usually locked in defensively. I don't even. I mean, I don't even want to blame Lonzo for uh, Steph is arguably one of the hardest cover in the NBA because. The dude just is always moving, is always sprinting around. He has his conditioning is just unfucking real. Uh, there was a great someone put a posted a great video online uh, of some like I don't even know what it was, but it was like Lonzo chasing Steph Curry. And it was some weird thing in like a a gym with like a but some weird thing with like a, with guys chasing each other around in like this gym and like monkey bars and handlebars. It was it was really funny because that, and that's what guarding stuff is like. You have to run just constantly run around and like Caruso probably would have been the better choice there to start in. But to make that adjustment then after you see Caru- Steph light up the Bulls like all right, we're going to get Caruso in the starting lineup against these other guys and it worked. Like Paul George was frustrated all night. Uh was looking for calls. He got a, a bunch but you hold him the seven to 25 shooting. And then Caruso is great again last night. Uh, the I know Lakers fans, uh, we had our guy, Anthony Irwin on earlier this year or before the season talking about Caruso. Uh, and he, I know he lamented not having him. I know a lot of Lakers fans very upset that they did not bring him back. They did cheap out. I, I know the Lakers are paying a lot in luxury tax as it is, but you're the fucking Lakers, man. Like for a guy who was such a key player on a championship team, like you're not going to pay, Whatever, a few tens. I know, I know, saying tens of millions of dollars sounds like a lot, but you're the fucking Lakers. Like, how do you not pay that for a really good player? Like the 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 whole that the article in the Athletic you mentioned was like, well, because of that added luxury tax paying, they didn't feel like that was what Caruso was worth. It's like you're playing like that kind of shit when you're on the margins. I, I even call that on the margins when you're trying to win championships and you cheap out like that. It just that shit sucks, and it's especially bad for a big market team like the Los An- the big market team, the Los Angeles Lakers. So, I mean, you saw how much the fans love Alex Caruso and at Staples Center last night. Huge ovation when he got introduced. He got a, a tribute video, and and he's been everything we could have hoped for and more. He has his moments where he commits terrible turnovers, takes some goofy shots, but the value he's provided on the defensive end of the court. Uh, and even sometimes as a passer as well, like he's been racking up assists too. uh, the energy he brings every night. is great. Uh, we'll see if he does stay in the starting lineup and Vucevic comes back. I mean, I would assume he would, uh, I mean, he's just the better, it makes sense to play your better, your better players more like Javante has made some nice plays off the bench too. And I feel like just as a, he brings the same energy type thing and play him less play Crusoe more start Crusoe play your better players, more minutes makes sense to me. Uh, last thing I wanted to touch on and you can, Take it from here if you want to, or you can wrap it up. Uh, Kobe White's return. Yeah. 
Uh, Kobe making his season debut against the Lakers coming back from shoulder surgery that he suffered at the early part of the off season. We've been waiting to see how Kobe would look integrated with this lineup since he is one of the few holdovers from last year's team. Only Zach, Kobe, Pat, who uh, have, you know, who were with the team starting last year. So I think, you know, there was a lot of uh, speculation, like what would happen when Kobe comes back? Is Io going to see his minutes cut? Uh, whose minutes is Kobe taking? Kobe played 11 minutes against the Lakers. Uh, I think, you know, he looked like a guy who was making his season debut. He, did, he looked uh, bad. He looked the lost. The Bulls are very much a cohesive unit right now on both ends of the floor. And it would be totally unrealistic to expect Kobe White to step into that and to immediately hit the ground running in terms of like buzzing around the floor defensively, yeah. which has never really been his game. Uh, or, you know, just immediately being a flamethrower from three coming off the injury. He did take a shot on his very first offensive possession, which I thought was good. It was a mid-range shot. He missed it. Uh, in general, though, my takeaway from those Kobe minutes is that it's going to be a slow burn with Kobe, I think. And that's totally okay. Like the yeah. Bulls right now are 10 and four. They're on top of the Eastern Conference. They are crushing it. And they have a formula that fits on both ends of the floor very well. How does Kobe sort of mesh with that? Well, we'll see. We do know that the Bulls have needed three-point volume. I think that that's how Kobe can fit in the easiest. Uh, Potentially, he could be running like a little bit of point guard against second units, but I think mostly we're going to see him as an off-ball player, given the way the Bulls have sort of let DeRozan captain the bench units to this point. Uh, I guess my main takeaway from Kobe is that it's going to be a slow burn, and that's fine. Like I think if you can get him cooking – around the all-star break, around the time you're moving into the playoffs, that would be ideal. Uh, and it might take some time. He missed He missed a while. Uh, the team totally changed while he was out. So be patient with Kobe. That's just my general takeaway here. Uh, it was a tough injury to come back from, really unfortunate timing for him, especially given how much the roster changed while he was gone. But the team rocks. Uh, uh, they don't really owe Kobe minutes in any sense. Like they'll put Kobe on the floor if Kobe's helping him win. And I think it's going to take him a little bit to get up to speed uh, with everything. But I'm I'm encouraged that Kobe's back. He looks a little bigger. I think. I think you can see he's added a little bit of weight while he was gone. Looks a little bit stronger. So uh, not not too many takeaways from Kobe's debut. Just mostly be patient. Yeah. I mean, he looked pretty lost. He looked kind of slow out there. He like said two shots. He got blocked at the rim. He gets blocked at the rim a lot. Uh, I think he was like a minus 15. Not that that really matters, but uh, yeah, definitely patience. And I, I mean, I, we've both said how there's, I think a place for Kobe on this team as the gunner off the bench, given the lack of shooting. Uh, and it's going to take, yeah, it's going to take a rhythm. He's a rhythm confidence player for sure. It's going to take a little time for him to find that rhythm. And I really don't have anything to add to that. I think that just, you totally nailed it. It's clear. It was clear from last night that it's going to take some time. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later, but uh, he said they don't really need him right now. Like IO has his, IO is a bit of a roller coaster as most rookies are. Uh, he's has, has times where he, I mean, he's just like, he's just always trying. He's always moving like a thousand percent. And some of talk about getting blocked at the rim. I think IO is like coming for Kobe's crown for getting blocked at the rim because IO is always trying really crazy shit going to the basket, but like he won't, he doesn't really dunk. So he just gets blocked at the rim all the time. Uh, so he said, I is a roller coaster, but he plays his ass off, plays defense. So like that's the, what's the, what that bench unit has really hung its head on is the defense and then DeRozan offensively. So for right now that's been working. I really do. I do think they'll need Kobe's shooting and all that at some point, but definitely won't really be getting that, uh, pro- that consistently at least yet. So we'll see, but yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Um, I have a few, like one last, I guess, little few bits here. Uh, I want to, Woj gave us a very brief update on the tampering, I think, over the weekend with the Lonzo Ball, Kyle Lowry stuff. I mean, it was almost like a non-update update. It was based just like, oh, yeah, like Bulls could get penalized draft picks ten up to $10 million. And that I think, I think he said that it was coming to a close and that there could be like an announcement soon on that. Uh, so we'll see. I think we've been bracing for the possibility of losing a first round pick. I think he also brought up like executive suspensions. I don't even know what that means. Like, does that mean like AK couldn't run the trade deadline? I have like, if they were supposed to 
fine. Like if they've ruled that, I have no idea what the fuck any of that means. But in that vein, uh, if the Bulls do get knocked hard, I also wanted to bring up uh, going back to our guy Demar Derozan here. There was a, he, Derozan did an, uh, an interview with Chris Haynes of Yahoo, where he talked about how he thought he was going to the Lakers, and there was a done deal. He said he thought going to the Lakers was a done deal. It didn't work out. The Lakers pivoted to Russell Westbrook. So I'm just very curious. The article talked about how Demar talked to LeBron James multiple times in the offseason. And that Demar's agent was trying, was like feverishly trying to work out a sign trade with the Lake with the Spurs and Lakers. Ricky, riddle me this: How is whatever the Bulls did with Lonzo Ball, which was probably tampering, but honestly, who cares? How is what DeRozan, Demar DeRozan, what all that did? How is that different than what the Bulls did with Lonzo? And why the fuck won't the Lakers get get in totally. trouble for that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And the Lakers, I think previously have been like the only team to get in trouble for tampering before the Bucks got hit last year. Seems like whenever there was a tampering fine, it was going to Magic Johnson <laughs> yeah. and the Lakers were talking about something. But dude, I'm just sick of the tampering thing. Right. Who cares? The Bulls are back. Let us be. Let us whoop <laughs> the league's ass. Uh, finding a first round draft picks ridiculous. If they suspend AK, OK, I guess that's fine, I guess. But don't do it for a long period of time. Yeah, I don't uh, even know how that would work. Like, crossing the trade deadline. Find the Reinsdorf's all the money you want. Don't care about that. <laughs> That's just funny. The only thing that matters is the pick, right? The first round pick. So there's been so much smoke that I'm a little worried that the public perception is going to be that the league went soft on the Bulls if they don't dock them a first round pick. But in my opinion, there's just no reason to dock the Bulls a first round pick when, as you pointed out, meetings like the one DeRozan had with the Lakers, which was taking place before the moratorium opened, I believe, it's before as well. the draft, before they, the they draft. traded wow. for Russ before the draft. Uh, and I can't, I, I know, I think there are rules where technically like players can talk to other players, but like we know what LeBron is like. I mean, and LeBron had meetings with Damian Lillard too, who's on under contract, which that might be different as well, uh, depending on like a guy, if a guy's a free agent versus under contract. I'm honestly not totally sure there. But uh, but even though we know LeBron is like a huge part of the Lakers front office and a huge part of the decision making there, him and Rich Paul pulling those strings. But then even then, if they're like trying to work out sign and trades, like obviously the Lakers front office is a part of that. So it's like and I don't want the Lakers to get like in trouble for that. It's just like if the Bulls do and the Lakers don't, that just seems like it's bullshit. Like, as you said, it's it's garbage tampering stuff. Is, just let it happen. Who gives a, who honestly gives a crap? We know these guys are talking. And there and with all these other teams, like who honestly cares? Like I, I, I don't know what part of tampering would like get me like, be like, yes, that should that's something that shouldn't really happen. Like I don't know, like whatever. Let guys talk to each other. Let front offices talk to players. I don't know. It, it, it all seems such bullshit. And it would just be annoying. My problem is it would be annoying if the Bulls get docked a first round pick and the like. Nothing happens with the Lakers when they were trying to work out sign and transfer DeRozan before the draft even begins. Like that's whatever. That's bullshit. So that was just my rant. Oh, one last question. What do you think about the nickname the Balzac? That I that is. Well, I saw Kendall Gill used it on TV yeah. yesterday. So the the one thing I think is absolutely hilarious is I was going on Bulls Reddit and I saw that someone photoshopped the Fire Garpax billboard into a meme that just said the Balzac. So, uh, you know, who am I to say? What's going to stick? What's not going to stick? It seems like that one's going to stick. I've been seeing it a lot. It just looks like a dumb meme a teenager came up with when uh, in the off season. And Kendall Gill said it on TV. I think it's here to stay. Uh, it's pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I also want to shout out to uh, I guess meme whatever. Uh, uh, Demar Derozan and Zach Levine looking like Jordan and Pippen from the flu game at the end of the Clippers game with the little hug. Uh, that was great. I tweeted about that and uh, got a lot of people like thinking that uh, I was being serious about it. Like, no, just having some fun. It's a great picture. Kind of looks similar. Got a lot of action on that tweet. It's kind of fun, but uh, that was awesome. Just, it was cool. Just cool moment to see. I mean, just I guess finishing up here, just like it's these guys seem to like really like playing each other. Just really enjoy playing each other. We saw Demar. These guys like crash in their their post game interviews. They just and like commenting on each other's social media after games. Vooch had the tweet after the Lakers game last night. Like I'm really glad I recruited Demar. Uh, they just really sound really seem to have some great chemistry growing here. Going here, Billy's pushing a lot of the right buttons. It's awesome. And it's been really fun to see. And give a shout out to Demar. He was talking about it. These were his first games back in LA for uh, after his his dad died. So it really meant a lot to him. Uh, and so to see him come back to LA like this and just play like this was. 
awesome, especially after the Lakers, this offseason stuff with the Lakers and Clippers were both involved. So had a little extra meaning for him. So just so much cool shit. I mean, it's just the vibes again. We start with vibes. We'll end with vibes here. The vibes are just so, so great around the Bulls here. Looking ahead, we got two more games on this road trip. We have the Blazers Wednesday night, and then we got the Nuggets finishing up this road trip on Friday night. Uh, give me, I mean, I mean, give me both of these games, but if you, if you give me one game here, at least you finish this road trip three and two, and you come back home at 11 and five. I mean, that is as good as we could really have expected. That's really awesome. So, uh, that's what we got coming up here, uh, heading into the Thanksgiving holidays here. Uh, rookie, you have anything else or can we, uh, sign this baby off? Yeah. Check out the feature that Mark Spears did at the undefeated on DeRozan yeah. and his relationship with his father. That was a really good read. And, uh, you know, credit to DeMar. He really seemed like he raised his play coming to his, his hometown of Los Angeles. It clearly meant a lot to him uh, to go back there and play. And I'm glad he's on the Bulls because he's been awesome to this point in the season. So uh, really fun back-to-back wins for the Bulls coming off that uh, disaster against the Warriors. Absolutely. And that will be it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Please, if you like what we're doing here at Cash, go check out all the other pods. If you like the NBA, we have so many good NBA pods. We have NFL pods in the middle of the season. We have pods from a bunch of other sports, tons of different types of pods at Blue Wire. Just tons of great stuff going going on over there. Shout out to Blue Wire uh, for us here at Cash Considerations. As always, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Leave us reviews on there. That always helps us out, helps us get better, helps our ratings, all that fun stuff. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. For Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Please hit us up on Twitter. Let us know how we're doing. If Give us feedback. Ask us questions. We haven't done a Q&A in a while. Maybe we'll, we'll do one of those here pretty soon coming up. Um, and then also again, shout out to Fuzz Gun, who made our sweet new intro that we got going for the season. If this ain't last year's Bulls, uh, Stacey King's comment that's in our intro, and that's damn, for damn sure in these last couple games, this whole season so far has shown that. So it's been awesome. Um, again, we got two games, two more games this week on this road trip. We will probably, I'm not totally sure when we'll be back for our next pod. We'll figure that out pretty soon here, maybe early next week before the Thanksgiving holiday uh, after this road trip. And then we got, I think, the Knicks and Pacers coming up after that before the holiday. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in touch pretty soon here. So, from Jason and Ricky, this is some cash considerations. We'll talk to you guys next time. This is last year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.